Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Lovecast. Um, this is, again, Jordan. Max is still on vacation. He will be back on Monday. But today we got a bit of a shorter podcast. Uh, we start off with me and Butsy talking about our reactions to Game 2 of the Celtics versus Heat. Then we give you guys some quick bets for Friday the 20th. And then I finish the podcast off with my top four players remaining in the NBA playoffs. So, yeah, it's pretty quick today. Under 30 minutes. It's a quick listen. Hope you guys enjoy. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Uh, we just got back from watching game two of the Celtics versus Heat series. So if you're a Celts fan, hell of a game. 25-point uh, blowout? 25-point uh, blowout. Was 25 at half. Um, got a little scary in the third quarter, as usual, but we ended up bringing it back to 25 at the end of the third and then kept it there the rest of the way. So great game. Um I'm here with Butsy. I'm going to start with you, Butsy. Give me your uh, biggest takeaway from this game. Um, my biggest takeaway besides, you know, the obvious, um, you know, incredible shooting from the Celtics is Tatum's uh, passing ability. Um, you know, he only finished the game with, I believe, four assists or five assists. He finished the game with uh, five assists. But it, it's a lot more than that. He is able to get by guys and force the Heat to draw two. Um, or force the Heat to throw two onto him. So that obviously frees somebody up right away. And whether he's making a pass to, uh, to a guy that makes a shot or he's just getting the ball out of his hands and putting other guys in a position to make plays. Um, we saw many times like one pass will lead to another pass and the Heat just couldn't recover fast enough. We get open shots. We just got a lot of open looks tonight as a result of Tatum drawing two um, and getting rid of the ball fast. I know we had three turnovers, but you know, how many of those are him, him getting his wrist rack, uh, wrist whacked. Wow. That's yeah. tough. Um, I'm sure, like I said to Jordan earlier during the game, I would love to get some superstar calls when it comes to that because he does get fucking whacked. Um, but yeah, no, I, Tatum drawing too. And Tatum's passing ability has been fucking incredible to watch this playoffs. Uh, he's really developed as a playmaker. Yeah. I think, uh, the heat are also just trapping him. Like they're wherever, whenever Tatum's driving or coming off a screen, they immediately, sent two because they know how good he is at scoring the ball. And I really do believe that Tatum in the past uh, would force shots or not pass um, fast enough. You know, he's getting the ball out quick, making quick reads, like you said. So yeah, it's, it's super uh, impressive to see what he's doing. Um, so my biggest takeaway is Marcus smart, smart coming off of uh, missing game one and man, did we miss him? Uh, he came back tonight. He had poor shooting in the first half. He shot, I think, two for 11. But it was so easy to see the impact he had. He had seven assists in the first half. And they gave this stat during the game, which was awesome. Um, they said, we didn't miss a single shot off of a smart pass. So every time smart passed the ball and someone shot it, it went in. Um, that's just like, it, it just speaks to the value of smart, how good he is as a playmaker, even when he's not scoring the ball or shooting well. And I think that's a big progression that we've seen from Smart. He he wasn't always, you know, helping the team no matter what. There were games in the past where we could say that Smart was hurting us. And I don't think we can say that anymore because of the way he's playmaking and being a leader. And then in the second half, he came out and just figured it out on offense. He didn't shoot a, an amazing percentage, but he hit more shots, shot with confidence, ended up making six shots, I think, in the second half, finished with 24 points. And, I mean – if we're going to get this Marcus Smart for the rest of the playoffs, I'm very, very confident in our team. Um, he finished with 12 assists, and I said all that without mentioning 
Uh, he's the defensive player of the year. And I, I just think a lot of people had a problem with him being the, the depoy, but man, he, he's clearly our best uh, defender on Jimmy Butler. And I think that's going to be huge for the rest of this series. Um, if we get in some close games going down the stretch, going down the stretch, we're going to need, you know, just straight up one-on-one stops. And I think smart's going to be that guy. And I, I really think, I know Jimmy's playing out of his mind, but if we want one guy on him, it's going to be smart. He had uh, three steals tonight, which is also huge for us. Um, also at big moments, you know, to halt runs and all that type of stuff. So smart was absolutely huge tonight. I think um, in game one, we were definitely underrating how big of a, an absence that would be for us. Yeah, just to, uh, just to summarize his shooting briefly, he uh, started the game two for 12. Uh, ESPN put up the set. He was two for 12 at one point. He finished eight for 22, which means after that, he shot six for 10. So that's pretty damn good. Five out of 12 from three, which is a great percentage. Um, Jordan, I think you really, you know, hit the hit the nail on the head with the point that he's more of a mature player now. He's matured so much from the Marcus Smart that would just dive at guys' legs, dive on the floor, and just try to chuck up Hail Mary shots and make the Magic Johnson pass or make the game-winning play uh, on every possession. He's just not that player anymore. He's just such uh, a mature basketball player that helps the team win um, and is really looking just to win as a whole, as a unit, um, that team mentality that every player on this team possesses. Uh, and I think it starts with Smart is why we're – in the position that we are. So I could see, um, you know, I could obviously see the Celtics being, keeping this up. I could see smart keeping this up. Um, I know Al was back tonight too, but he didn't have an immediate impact, but you know, he had some timely threes in the early going, but I don't think he um, missed. I think he was four. Yeah. He went four for four, 10 points, three boards, three assists. That's a pretty, uh, you know, standard Al Horford game. And that's never going to hurt you. So um, my next point, where's Bam Adebayo? Okay, where's the BAM from Bubble? Where's the Bubble BAM? Uh, this guy is nowhere to be found. Um, on the offensive end, he just looks scared. He just doesn't get the ball. He's not being aggressive. He's not running the offense like he did in the bubble. Um, we saw two years ago that he was at the top of the key, making plays, making passes, getting to get, you know, being guys off the dribble, getting to the rim because he's a faster big. Um, he he's nowhere. I, I mean, six points, nine boards, two assists on three of six shooting. You know, there were, you know, he averaged 19 and 10 during the season, and now he's shooting six shots in a conference finals game. Um, you know, only one turnover and a minus five plus minus, but it's just, it's just his lack of contribution. It's just, where is he? He's not, you know, he's not making plays on the floor, you know, no blocks, no steals. He's not making shit happen um, on either end of the floor, really. He's just, he's just gone. And, and the Heat really need him to be that guy if they want a chance in this series, because the Celtics right now are dominating the paint um, on the offensive end. They are just going at heads. We're getting offensive rebounds. We're getting every fucking lob imaginable. Uh, he needs to be a presence. It needs to be a force on both sides of the floor. If the heat want a fucking chance in this series, because if not, the Celtics are just going to keep dominating him and run this thing out. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, and the announcers did touch on this during the game. And um, I don't, I don't remember who said it, but someone said, part of it is he's not being put in great positions and maybe Spolstra has to, you know, get him, get him the ball more, you know, run, run some uh, ISO post-ups for him, something like that. But I mean, if I'm bam, like I'll just, just post up, just like man, the ball, the ball. Yeah. I mean, 
it's not that hard when you're the second best player in your team to just post up and say, give me the ball. The Your team's going to do it. And he's obviously capable. So it is, um, I don't know, it's, it's concerning if you're a Heat fan because you need a second guy to go with Jimmy. And Bam's supposed to be an, an all-star and a huge impact player for them. So, yeah, I agree. that That's a huge um, factor. Um, yeah, my next point is Jimmy Butler, just the way he's playing right now. This is my main concern for the rest of the series is he just seems unstoppable. Like he, he's getting such easy buckets to me. It it seems like he's not even working hard, um, half the time. Like I know he does hit a couple tough shots, but most of the time he's, you know, he's getting in space and just either getting to the rim or getting to his spot in the mid range. Like, we need to we need to try to move him off his spot a little bit. Maybe throw some traps at him, some double teams. Um, and but I do have to give him credit. I mean, he's just shooting over smaller guys and taking smaller guys to the rim. And when he doesn't have it, he doesn't force anything. So I think he's probably the most underrated player in the league. Um, but that is his own doing because of how poorly or not how poorly he plays in the regular season, but just the disparity between his regular season numbers and the playoffs. But I do, I I am concerned. I know I said smart is our best chance at defending him, but even smart, we saw Jimmy just early in the game, just shoot right over him. And when his shots are falling, like it, he, it seems like he's just going to go for 40 every night. He had 29 tonight, but he barely, I don't think he played in the fourth quarter. So um, I don't know. What do you think? Is he just straight up unstoppable? He it really seems that way. Um, I know we were talking about what we're going to bring up in the podcast uh, before we started recording. And you said, Jimmy, and I said, he, he's he's a problem. If the Heat can find a way to keep this series close, keep these games close. Jimmy is a fucking player. He's a, just a straight baller. Twenty nine points, six boards, three assists on 11 of 18 shooting uh, one of three from three, six of eight from the line. He, he, you know, if he plays the fourth quarter, he obviously gets the 40. This guy is an issue. Um, I was watching the game. My dad, and he's just hitting tough contested shots every time down the floor. It seemed, um, I know he cut the lead to under 21 point, got it to 17, I think, uh, just because of the way he just simply just said, I'm going to take over this game and probably scored 10 straight points. So yeah, he's going to be a fucking issue uh, in the rest of the series, but I, I'm interested to see how the Celts play him. Uh, if they send more doubles, what they're going to do. Um, so that leads me to my next point, which is the heat team defense. Um, you know, the heat are regarded as one of the best defensive teams in the league. Um, basically because of the way they guard the perimeter, they have Bam as a presence inside. Um, and I know I already chewed up Bam for not being a presence, uh, in the middle of the paint, um, allowing every lob that comes his way, but the heat perimeter defense, I, you know, that was one of the main points we talked about at the beginning, uh, of the series saying that they're going to really uh, close out well on the Celtic shooters. We're not going to get as many good looks. Um, but, it, I mean, it seems like we're getting every look imaginable. Um, they're sending two guys at Tatum, which I know, obviously, I've just said earlier in the pod has been the reason the Celtics have been so successful. Um, the Heat can't do that, right? I mean, it, the Celtics have clearly shown that that is not going to work against them because we're just going to pick you apart uh, we have shooters all across the board from one to five, except when Rob Wheels in the game. So, and even when he's not, it's an open lob almost every time. So the Heat are going to need to change defensively what they want to do against the Celtics team. I think leaving Tatum one-on-one to go ISO 
maybe your best bet, help on certain guys. But I mean, you got you get you got to stop the three 50 percent from three 20 for 40. <laughs> I mean, they're just not going to win if they if the Celtics keep getting these looks because we're not going to miss them right now. Just not not what's going to happen. Yeah, um, perfect transition into my last point. And I'm just going to talk a little bit about the overall team shooting of the Celtics, which I know is obvious. We just shot the absolute lights out today. I think we were nine for 11 from three in the first quarter. I mean, Jalen came out, just didn't want to miss. Um, Tatum, Tatum, every open look he got was bottoms. Uh, Horford hit two threes. Brown hit four. Smart ended up with five. Grant hit two and uh, big ones. Like uh, Pritchard hit two. He was two for six, but uh, he hit two when, you know, the game was still close. And so I just think, like you said, we're getting amazing looks and we have too many shooters to leave open. Like I'm, I love this team so much because everybody can shoot. It, it, it feels almost like the Warriors uh, obviously not to the level with Steph and Clay, but to the level in terms of every role player, every guy on the court is a knockdown shooter. You just can't leave anyone open. Um, and I don't know, we haven't seen that from the Celts in a while. Um, I do think, like you said, though, a lot of it is the open looks and the way we're being guarded. So I love how we're playing right now. Um, obviously we're not going to shoot this well every night, but if we can keep getting open looks like, that's all we need to do. So um, we're coming back to Boston now. Hopefully we can win two straight, go up 3-1, and uh, then close it out in Miami and get to the finals in five games. That would be ideal. So uh, good segment there. We're going to uh, move on now, and we'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Well, we're going to give you guys some betting for Friday, May 20th. Um, obviously, we have the Gambling Couch podcast which gives out bets three times a week, but uh, no gambling couch podcast picks for Friday. So we're going to give you guys some quick ones. Um, just a heads up, not a ton of research given into these, but uh, just our, our early leans for Friday, the 20th. Butsy, I will start with you. I just, yeah, no, um, the podcast did well today. Um, I went five and three. Jordan, how'd you go? What, what was your record today? Were you two? Uh, I went three and one. Three and zero. Okay, sorry. Three and one. Three so and you one. went three and one. I went uh, five and three. That's positive. That's money. Um, the one, the one loss that that's haunting both of us right now is another uh, player points total. Tatum went under by a point and a half after um, he went under by a point and a half after not uh, not playing in the fourth quarter, which fucking hurt. Just like the Brown one from the uh, day before. Um, but no, uh, or twenty you know, three quarters. Yeah, 27 and three quarters, and he did play a minute in the fourth, which yeah. sucked. And it's a little unlucky. But moving into tomorrow, uh, I got three plays for you guys. My first play is going to be Warriors minus six. Um, they just completely tore apart the Mavericks, and I don't see why they can't do it again. I know Luke is going to have a better game, but there's still the Warriors one by 25, and I, I think they're just going to run away with this uh, at home. It might be different when they go back to Dallas, but at home right now, I think they're going to run away with game two, too. Get it two two. Uh, then my next pick comes from the MLB. Um, it's going to be the Mets money line at minus one thirty five. Uh, the Mets are going to Colorado to play the Rockies. Carrasco's on the bump, three and one as a starter, pitching a or pitching a three seven three ERA, which is fucking pretty damn good. Uh, Marquez one and three for the Rockies with a six one six ERA. Mets bats are 
have been solid. You know, Pete Alonso walked off today. They put up uh, seven runs. They won by seven and then – or not won by seven, put up seven runs today. Day before, put up 11 or 12. So the bats are hot for the Mets. Um, Rocky's not a ton of great hitters. Crone is good. Blackman's good. But besides that, their bats aren't crazy. Uh, I like Carrasco on the bump, and I like the Mets bats. I just really like everything about the Mets here. Um, my final play for the day, uh, just as at a quick glance, is the Yankees run line, minus 105. Uh, against the White Sox tomorrow. Uh, Keiko or Kukul, however you say his name, he's been good. Uh, two and three with a five, five, four. Um, I know his ERA doesn't, you know, say how well he's been pitching, but, you know, he's obviously a very, very solid pitcher. Uh, and Nestor Cortez for the Yankees, two and one with a one, three, five. That guy is fucking really good. He's got a lot of good stuff. Um, and I think he'll shut down the White Sox tomorrow, who are 19 19. Yankees coming off a tough loss on a walk off today to the Orioles. Um, I don't think they lose two at home, especially. Or, two games in a row, especially coming back home. So those are my plays. Uh, take them, take them, take them. Make sure to follow the podcast. Listen to the pod, the Gambling Couch podcast, every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday here on the Lovecast feed. Yeah, I, I like all those. Uh, and I, I think the Warriors spread is like, it's one of those plays where it either smacks or you just look really dumb and the Mavs like steal the game. But yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think Warriors are going to take control of that. Um, I have two props in that game and then I have a baseball play. So my first prop is Dinwiddie over 12 and a half. The guy seems to have just figured it out offensively and, uh, going even further on that. If, if this is the type of game I'm expecting it to be where the Warriors are, uh, flowing on offense, the Mavs are going to need scoring. And when, when they need scoring, Dinwiddie is the second option right now. Um, I know they have Brunson, but uh, especially in game one, we saw them go to Dinwiddie a lot in ISO situations when he's knocking down shots. Um, 12 and a half is just not, not a high enough number. And that's at minus 120. So I really like Dinwiddie there. And then my other player prop, I have Wiggins over 15 and a half, which is minus 135. But I know you took his over last game. Do you remember what the line was? Justin um, was the one who took Wiggins. He got it at 15 and a half, I believe. And I think Wiggins finished with 19. Okay, perfect. So 15 and a half. He scored 19 last game, and they're not giving him any respect. I think he's just knocking down shots right now. And the way the Warriors play offense, uh, he gets a ton of open looks. So I'm laying the juice there at 135. I think that's a fine spot to do it. And then my last play is in the MLB. Uh, the Rays are playing the Orioles. They, the line opened at... Raise minus 130. It quickly jumped to minus 145. So I would jump on that as soon as you can. We could see that move even further. Um, and the Orioles are just one of the worst teams in the MLB. They're 15 and 24. Uh, and honestly, I just, I like uh, when I see Vegas give respect uh, to a team and jumping the line from minus 130 to 145 is going to make me. Uh, want to take the raise every time there. So, yeah, just some some quick bets for you guys. Um, nothing too serious. Don't throw all your money on those. Uh, those are uh, not super researched, but do not but, do not. Please don't. <laughs> definitely, um, just some some early leans if you guys are looking to throw some stuff down. But real quick, um, what's your uh, what's your favorite play? Uh, my play of the day. Give me the Mets. Give me the Mets minus 135. Okay. Um, 
that works out. Let's do a little spicy two teamer in the MLB. Oh. We'll go. Oh yeah. <laughs> we'll I go like raise. We'll go raise minus one forty five, and Mets at what? One thirty five. All right, nice. That that'll uh that'll be a nice little two teamer in the MLB. Me and Butsy are notorious for hitting these, so <laughs> we're pretty damn we're pretty damn good at these spicy two teamers. <laughs> we'll see if we can get another just uh just off the top of our head. So uh yeah, good luck to everyone that bets tomorrow. Um, let's make some money, and we're gonna be right back for one last segment. So thank you guys for listening. All right, what's up, guys? Um, we are now going to try something a little new here on the Lovecast. Uh, this is a segment that was inspired by one of the most entertaining people in sports media, Colin Cowherd. So often on his show, he uh, goes on on these five-minute to eight-minute monologues about a certain topic. And I'm going to try that today. So I'm going to be talking about the top four players remaining in the NBA playoffs. And it's just going to be, be me talking for a good amount of time. So uh, please give it a chance. I know it sounds weird, but I do think a lot of you guys are going to like this style of segment. And I just want to see how it goes. So I'm going to get it started. The top four players remaining in the playoffs, starting with number one, Steph Curry. First of all, he's the greatest shooter ever. Not even close. So let's just get that obvious out of the way. I think Steph is the only person on this list and maybe the league who can shoot a horrible percentage from the field and still have the largest impact on the outcome of the game and be the most important player on the floor. And this is because of something that I'm going to call the Steph effect. As soon as Steph steps over half court, someone has to guard him immediately. Adding on to that, he's trapped and doubled 30 to 35 feet away from the basket frequently in an effort to stop him from shooting the ball. For defenses, when they're guarding Steph, their goal is not just to contest his shot. The goal is to get the ball out of his hands as soon as possible so that he can't get a shot up in the air. Because of this, the Warriors are able to have the best spacing of any team in the league. The paint in the middle area are often wide open because of the Steph effect, which allows other players to have open backdoor cuts, which either lead to open layups or open threes. Steph is both a willing and underrated passer. He never tries to play iso ball when he shouldn't. He always makes the right reads and understands that good ball movement is how to win games in the NBA. The box score is not always going to tell the whole story with Steph. You have to watch the Warriors play and see how Steph is guarded in order to understand the overall impact that he has on winning games. Number two, Luka Doncic. Of the players remaining on this list, he has the worst roster, but he's able to make everyone around him better. I think he's the only truly gifted passer on the list. Not only is he an unselfish passer, he has the natural ability to make difficult passes from anywhere on the floor. Luke is also debatably the best ISO scorer on this list. His combination of size, strength, and unique skill and footwork make him nearly impossible to stop one-on-one. Of everyone on this list, including Steph Curry, I think Luka is the one guy that you want to give the ball to in clutch moments. He doesn't shy away from big moments. He excels in them. To be 23 years old and already carrying a mediocre roster to the Western Conference Finals says all you need to know about Luka's impact. Number three, this is the spot that I struggled with the most. I'm going with Jason Tatum. Tatum's been a phenomenal player from the moment he stepped into the league. But since his rookie year, he's tremendously improved every single aspect of his game and has become the player that we now see today. He's become one of the most unstoppable scorers in the NBA. He's just one of those guys where the defense can do everything right and it just simply won't matter. 
He's also become much more efficient and improved his shot selection, which has made him even more difficult to guard. The evolution of Tatum's willingness to pass the ball, as well as the ability to correctly read the defense, is exactly what the entire NBA was waiting to see from him. He's no longer impacting the game through his scoring alone, but also with his playmaking and drastically improved IQ. The two-way nature of Tatum's game is another aspect that makes him the ideal centerpiece that any NBA franchise would love to build around. He's the prototype for the future of NBA players, a two-way wing that can do everything on the basketball court. Now in the fourth spot, Jimmy Butler. In my opinion, he's become one of the most underrated players in the NBA. Butler's ability to make shots look so easy is uncanny. And like Tatum, it often looks like the defense has done everything they can, yet the shots still fall, whether they're tough finishes around the rim or contested jumpers in the mid-range. When Jimmy's feeling it, he's up there with the most efficient scorers in the league and also has the ability to impact the game through playmaking. Butler's also one of the best defenders in the NBA, plain and simple. However, he still falls last on this list simply due to the players he's up against. The only thing separating Butler from the other guys on this list is his inconsistency from year to year and in the regular season. Last year in the playoffs, he averaged 14 points on 30% shooting and lost in the first round to the Bucks. I believe this has to be held against Jimmy when we're comparing him to the other names on this list. We've seen him have a fantastic playoff run before in 2020, but if I have to choose between Jimmy and these other guys, I'm going to take the guys who do it all year, every year. All right, so that's it, guys. That's my top four players remaining in the playoffs. I hope you guys enjoyed that new kind of style on the podcast. Um, please reach out if you did. Uh, reach out if you guys have some new ideas for segments, anything like that. And also, if you guys have any problems with my list, I love to debate it. So thank you guys for listening and have an awesome rest of the day.